The Revenge Tour continues to be just that for Michigan. We take a look at the new playoff picture, and we preview Rutgers. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Welcome back, M Factor fans, to episode 11. I'm sure all of you are just as happy as I am. I'm tell you what, I'm getting pretty used to sitting in the seat and being really, really excited and happy and just just amazed at the just domination over the last couple of weeks for Michigan football. We'll have the analysis of Penn State. We'll go over the playoff picture as it stands, and then we'll preview some, a little bit of Rutgers. But first, of course, if you have not yet, make sure you get on over to iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to The M Factor again. Just type it in the search bar, The M Factor. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating, please. It really helps us in the rankings, and I really appreciate it. If not, go to SoundCloud, and you can just listen there. There is always a link on my Facebook profile page. Again, sooner or later, we will have a website for the M Factor as it continues to grow. That is thanks to you guys. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for the word of mouth out there. Really appreciate it. It really helps us. So without further ado, let's get into just the butt whooping that the Wolverines put on the Penn State and the Lions last week. It was awesome. It started out just electric. Had another watch party here at the M Factor Studios. It was fantastic. Great turnout, good food, good beverages, great company. And I'll tell you what, as soon as the game started, everyone was raring to go here. I can only imagine what it was like at the stadium at the big house. I know Jim Harbaugh alluded to it after the game. It felt like a, the, the days of old back in Ann Arbor, and that is exactly the way it should be. The stadium was electric. The crowd was electric. They were on their feet. They were loud. They were enthusiastic. Just full of excitement right at the start of the game. And you could really hear that on the TV. I know a couple of my buddies uh, went to the game and they said it was everything that you'd hoped it would be when it comes to the fan base for Michigan. So jump right into the game. Let's go over the box score. It was Michigan striking first and really didn't, I mean, they just dominated Penn State all game long. They didn't allow any points until late in the fourth quarter, which again was kind of mop up points. So it just sucks. They, they have not had a shutout yet this year. But I'm sure that's coming. That could be coming up here against Rutgers. I really think it does. And, you know, too bad for Rutgers because I don't think they have any business in this game. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's go into the stats. First downs, it was Michigan 20, Penn State 11. Just dominated them in first downs. Third down efficiency, 2 of 11 for Penn State, 8 of 14 for Michigan. They are steadily improving every game on these third down conversions. You got to attribute that to Shea Patterson and that offensive line again. We'll get into their stats and my praise towards Shea Patterson as he just continues to amaze me. Uh, not, you know, not so much in the stat department, just just the way he is running that offense and the team response to him running that offense that way. But we'll get into that again a little later. Fourth down, Michigan was one for two. They did get stuffed on one of them. Penn State was one for one. Total yards. Listen to this again, guys. Just the third game in a row. Michigan has just dominated the total yards, 403 for Michigan, 186 for Penn State. A lot of that coming on that last drive. They, again, could have easily held Penn State to under 100 yards. And this is something I want everyone to remember. This is not Rutgers. Penn State is not a Rutgers team. I had to remind people of that at the watch party. I had to remind a lot of guys that, you know, they were they expected it almost. They expected it. And this was a ranked Penn State team. This was a 14th ranked Penn State team. Two losses on the year, one against Ohio State, which they probably should have won that game. Ohio State looked like garbage again this last weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later. 
and they barely lost to Michigan State. Michigan State had that dramatic comeback at the end there, and they are two plays away from being undefeated. This is not a bad team, and McSorley is one of the best playmakers in the country. We held him in check all day long. They got to him, and it was awesome to see. I'm sure everyone else was impressed, but you got to remember that. When going over these stats, you know, the last couple weeks, or pardon me, the last three games, you got to remember these teams were ranked. These are supposed to be some of the best teams in the country, some of the best teams in the conference by far because they play in the East, well, except for Wisconsin. Wisconsin obviously plays in the West, but still, these were ranked teams, and these were teams that were supposed to do amazing at the start of the year. And I got to give credit to the Maize and Blue, come out and play in this revenge tour. It's not over yet, but they uh, they went through this dismal part of the schedule. I stated it right before we played Wisconsin. It started that night against Wisconsin and just a very tough part of their schedule. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the experts picked them to lose two of those three games. You know, whether it be Michigan State, whether it be Penn State, whether it be Wisconsin, I, of course, picked them to win all three, but maybe that's I'm just a genius at that point, right? Because I did predict the score, folks. I got to say I told you so. A lot of people were giving me a lot of grief for stating my prediction of 35 to 10. They thought that was insane. They thought the spread was insane. Well, they beat the spread and they beat my spread. They beat the prediction that I had. So props to Michigan. They deserve a lot of credit for what they've done this year in responding back to that, really that first quarter loss to Notre Dame. But I continue with the overall stats. Passing yards, 144 to 118. Again, those stats do not wow you, do they? 144 yards passing. This is because Shea Patterson does not have to throw the ball yet. This is a good thing, folks. Everyone is stating that Shea Patterson does not have the stats, so why is he being touted as being a very good quarterback? This is perfect. This sets up perfectly for us because our boy Higdon had yet another great game, 100 yards again, over 100 yards again, 132 to be exact. We'll get to him a little later, but... This is something that you want to fall back on. They have just got a great offensive scheme going on right now. It's really helping them because guess what? Okay, you got Higdon who's just running like a madman out there. What's this, uh, seven, six or seven straight games with 100 yards? Uh, It's been a long time since any Michigan running back has done that. If the defensive reads that, wants to stop Higdon, Shea Patterson can just pull the ball and run it himself. He had a rushing touchdown. He had another great game of reading that the read option that they are running this season really fits this offense really well. I've been really impressed. I was a little skeptical at the beginning of the season, of course, as most people were, including the experts. When the Notre Dame, it was kind of debacle, but give credit to the Michigan offensive line. Again, it always starts there. I don't want to downplay the offensive line because they have been improving every week. Everyone sees that. They deserve all the credit they are getting right now, and they are deserving the credit they are getting for this offense and its improvement over the course of the season. So, if Shea Patterson sees something he doesn't like on the run to or giving it to Higdon, guess what? He pulls it, goes around the edge. He's been reading that perfectly all year. They step up for that. Guess what? Shea Patterson has shown his throwing ability. 11 of 17. Like I said, we'll get into that a little later, but in terms of pass completions to attempts, it was Penn State 8 of 17. Eight completions, guys, and they had to throw the ball. Michigan, 11 of 17 yards per pass. Again, not impressive. 8.5 for Michigan, 6.9 for Penn State interceptions. Of course, there was the pick six, the huge play kind of put the game out of reach for Penn State. And that was awesome. Everywhere in the state of Michigan, all you Michigan fans in the country, in the world, just going nuts on that one. Guaranteed. I bet that stadium was just rocking when that happened as it was rocking all day, I guess. So interceptions two to zero. 
Another good game by the Michigan offense and no turnovers. No turnovers. This is huge. We go over this every week, folks. We go over this all the time. We won't over it before the season even started. That ratio is slowly climbing for Shea Patterson and the offense itself for offensive plays to turnovers. Great job holding on to the ball and not losing the game let alone just destroying Penn State, but don't give the game away, especially against good teams. That's going to really help them win, and indeed, they play Ohio State and possibly a Big Ten championship game and a playoff berth, and who knows, maybe playing Alabama. You definitely can't have any turnovers against Alabama. So time of possession, this is where something that Michigan is slowly creeping up into the realm of top five, I believe, in the country. Another game of 37 minutes, 56 seconds. Penn State, 22 minutes, 4 seconds, just dominating the time of possession. And for many of you people that don't really, you know, understand the game of football much, but just really enjoy watching Michigan, you know, just beat the crap out of their opponents. When you have an offense that controls the time of possession, what does that do for your defense? Guess what? Your defense is not on the field, right? That is giving them the rest. That is giving them the faith in their offense to make plays. That is huge, especially for these young kids. You know, don't forget, these these guys are only 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds. And just imagine just having the faith and the just the confidence in that other side of the ball. Offense to the defense, defense to the offense. They are a total team. They are a total package. And that offense is just letting that defense catch their breath, get the rest that they need, come out fresh, and you can really show it. Gives give a lot of credit to the strength and conditioning coach over there at Michigan. He has definitely turned it around for them this year because they are playing a full four quarters worth of football. I mean, look at Higdon. Higdon a couple weeks ago had his career high in carries. Still looked like a beast at the end of the game. It was insane. So you got to give them credit on that. You have to give the strength and conditioning program over there at Michigan this year a lot of credit because they are playing a full four quarters. And like I said, a couple weeks ago after the Wisconsin win, when we saw Chase Winovich out there, it looked like he hadn't even played a game. He just played four quarters against a ranked team at night, and it looked like he just started the game. It looked like he was out there for warm-ups for crying out loud. So I, I really, I've noticed that over the last couple weeks, the fact that they are finishing these games and they are finishing them with authority. That's the big thing. This is not lackadaisical. This is not, oh, we just kind of let it go. Granted, they give up some late scores, but again, that is a lot of the you know, second string defense, third string. It's great to get those guys some playing time, especially against top tier teams. I can't stress that enough. This was a 14th ranked Penn State team. Everyone remember that. This was not Rutgers. This is not a team that, you know, middle of the Big Ten pack. No, they were touted as being a possible national championship contender this year. And we just destroyed them. It was embarrassing for Penn State. In fact, most of the Michigan players, you know, they interviewed them after the game and said they wanted to run up the score. That was their goal to run up the score. I wish they would have done a little more after the little antics that Penn State did last year on basically going for a solid play at the end of the game there, trying to score another touchdown. And Franklin kind of, you know, he really disappointed me because I've never really had any beef with Penn State. But after he did that, that was kind of ridiculous. So I really, really wish I wish Michigan would have got the shutout, first of all, uh, their first of the season, that is. And, you know, possibly score in the 50s just to make it even worse and just put Penn State exactly where they, they deserve to be. So overall, in terms of the M factor for the entire team, you really have to give it again to that offensive line. And it's so easy just to give it to the whole defense. That whole defense, the DBs, I don't know if there's really a weakness on our defense. A lot of people are stating like the linebacker. No, I'm not even close. I'm not even listening to that. And I say a lot of people. I haven't heard a lot of people say anything negative about these Michigan defense. I don't know if I've heard a single person state anything negative about this Michigan defense. 
The only person that I've heard that said something negative about this Michigan defense is the head coach from Penn State, Franklin, who stated that they get away with a lot of holds and and penalties in the secondary. Well, I think that was put to bed really early this last Saturday. So sorry, Franklin. Uh, Sorry for your luck. Sorry if uh, you think the refs are in our favor and not seeing this. I know you were pushing it all game long. I could see on the sideline just pushing for those penalties and they just weren't there. Sorry, buddy, because you know for a fact those refs were looking for them. We were looking for them as fans too, because you know that was something we really haven't looked at a lot. And now we know that that secondary is as good as advertised and as good as their stats show. Great job at Michigan defense, Michigan offense, and sadly our special teams uh, gets the one the one nick in a perfect game. Quinn Norton goes for the field goal and gets it blocked. You can't always put that on the kicker, but you got to get that ball up there. The problem is that I see is even his extra points seem to be still knuckleballing. I don't know if he's half stepping uh, just a little off on his his last step there for the kick, but. He needs to figure that out because we are definitely going to need him in the later part of the season. Maybe not against Rutgers. The Indiana game, I think, is going to be tough. Can't count them out. And then, of course, Ohio State, Big Ten Championship, and then hopefully the playoffs. So they'll figure it out. I have faith in that. Great job, Michigan. Let's hop into some of the individual stats here. We'll get right into the passing statistics. Again, it was Shea Patterson, 11-17. 144 yards, 8.5 yards per pass, two touchdowns, a QBR rating of 81.3. He continues to climb the chart for QBR in the conference. He should be number one after this week after Haskins just had a terrible game against Nebraska on Saturday. They barely pulled that one out down there in Columbus. So another solid game by Shea Patterson. Efficiency, awesome. Two TDs, zero interceptions. Don't forget he also had that rushing touchdown too. So he accounted for three touchdowns for the Wolverines. That is huge. You love to see a quarterback that does that. I praise him every week, and he rightfully deserves it, folks. He is becoming a solid leader on this team, only a junior. Don't forget that. McCaffrey did get in there, and one of the down points of the game was McCaffrey did suffer a broken collarbone. Harbaugh seems to think that he will be out the rest of the season. Not a huge loss, but he was a solid backup and a great glimpse into the future on what we'll have, but we need to keep him out if he is not healthy. Don't want to ruin his career at Michigan because it is going to be a bright one. So Dylan did have uh, Dylan didn't have any passes, but he did have a couple rushes there and he is he's fun to watch too. I got to give him credit. He is uh, he's a goofy dude, but I'll tell you what, he's fun to watch. And like I said, the the future looks bright for Michigan at the quarterback position, but Shay just uh, again, Mr. Consistency, Mr. Do Not Lose the Game, zero INTs. Again, this is major, folks. I mentioned it in the turnover margin in the team stats, zero INTs, just huge. So another A performance for Shea Patterson, even though the stats don't really say it or the yards say it, but three TDs total, two passing, one rushing. As far as the rushing does go, Karan Higdon, just the beast. I'll tell you what, this guy is impressing me just like Shea every game. He gets better and better and better. Seems to run just harder and harder and harder. 20 carries, 132 yards. That's 6.6 yards a carry, folks. He had a tutty and a long of 50. Chris Evans had a solid game off the bench at 12 carries, 57 yards. He also had a touchdown. And I mentioned Shea Patterson. He had 11 carries for 42 yards. Again, reading that offense, very, very good. McCaffrey, Ben Mason, True Wilson also had a couple carries. Uh, Not a significant amount of yardage, though. From the receiving standpoint, not huge. I'm I'm curious to know if these receivers are starting to feel a little left out considering we don't have to use those talent that talent we don't have to use that talented core of receivers and tight ends that we have. But nonetheless, Nico Collins 
two receptions. He led the team with 53 yards. He had that nice long catch. I wish he could have let him a little bit more. It probably would have been a tutty, but nonetheless, a huge play. Uh, got us kind of out of a hole down there on our own end. So nice job by Nico. DPJ, another solid game, three receptions, only 38 yards, but that sweet TD. And I'll tell you something about that TD that I really liked is notice how we got both feet in bounds, not just one, only in college, it's only one you got to get down, but excellent practice, leave no doubt, make it not even a question, just dragged both feet, great catch, brought the ball in, that's a catch in the pros, folks. So we had that one TD. Chris Evans had a nice receiving game, three receptions for 30 yards, Gentry had two receptions for 18 yards, including that snag from that bullet from Shea Patterson for that touchdown. That was pretty impressive. Good hands by Gentry. This Michigan receiving core has been solid hands all year long. I really can't think of a game where they actually had kind of the droppies, kind of the drops. I really am thinking of a major like drop ball that has cost us because even in the Notre Dame game, we didn't have many drop passes. This receiving core has been doing solid all year long uh, in terms of getting open, blocking downfield. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago, how if you watch them, they are superb blockers downfield. They are always blocking. They don't give up until the play is over, until they hear that whistle. So that is something amazing. That is a major X factor. So that is a major M factor to actually have is wide receivers that not only can catch, not only can run, not only are a great asset to the team from their receiving standpoint, but downfield blocking is huge for these guys, and it really helps Higdon. It really helps the rest of the running back core. So it's something I really appreciate from these guys, and they have been doing a great job all season long with that downfield blocking. Like I mentioned, go make sure you guys watch that. That's something that I think is really underrated about these wide receivers is their downfield blocking. You don't hear it a lot from the announcers and stuff like that, so Let's roll on over to the defense. Devin Bush led the team with seven total tackles. He had four solos. Kennel with five. Kalik Hudson with four. Ushe three. Kemp with three. We had Mason, Pay, Thomas, Winovich, Gary, Metellus Ross, and Dwumpor all with two tackles. So not a great game for Rashawn Gary, who just came back off that shoulder injury. It was great to see him back. He did have a little bit of a presence out there, and that's great to see. Chase Winovich, our man, just killing it out there. He had one sack. Again, only two tackles, but it's his leadership out there and his just enthusiasm and his excitement that is really, I think, leading this defense. Him as well as the captains out there. Devin Bush, like I mentioned, seven tackles and just a killer out there as well. The closing speed on Bush is something else. I'll tell you, there was a time when the Penn State running back was heading towards the sideline and Bush, you know, you think the running back would always get the corner over a linebacker, but no, Devin Bush was able to run him down, and I was really impressed with that. I totally forgot about his side-to-side speed and his ability to close out on people to make the tackle. So overall, the defense, of course, just amazing. A total of 44 tackles on the game, and what more can you say about the defense? I mean, they, they should have easily had the shutout. They held the Penn State a good Penn State, if not a fantastic Penn State offense to under 200 yards, could have been under 100 yards if they would have kept their first string in, but no big deal there. Still a dominant performance by the defense. Interceptions, Brandon Watson, of course, had the big pick six, which was awesome. That was a 62-yard pick six, folks. A lot of people don't realize that, that they were that deep. I don't know where the, the backup quarterback was throwing that ball, but yeah, that was a that was a 62-yarder, so great job, Watson. David Long had the other INT, also returned that one for 15 yards, so great job there. In terms of the special teams, Ambry Thomas, great job on the kick returns. He had only two of them, 
but he did have a nice one for 27 yards. That was pretty impressive. In terms of punt returns, DPJ, uh, he had two punt returns for 54 yards. He did have that nice long 28-yard return, which was pretty sweet to see. That got the crowd rocking. And honestly, there were many things that got the crowd rocking this game. It was very impressive. I'm sure it was even more impressive at the stadium, but on TV, it was it was awesome. You know, you crank up the volume, and it was almost like you were there. Michigan kicking. Quinn Norton, as I mentioned, was 0 for 1 on the field goals. He did have that one blocked. He's got to figure it out, folks. He did hit all the extra points, but still, they just didn't look end over end. They looked a little iffy. He's got to figure that out before we hit up these big games, or it will end up costing the game. Mark my words, folks. Punting, we only had three punts, but another solid game by Will Hart, 43.3 yard average. He had a long of 55. So individual end factors, I will give out to one Brandon Watson on that pick six. As I mentioned, that easily just kind of put the game away. It kind of, you could tell Penn State was already kind of down in the dumps and not really playing, you know, just as enthusiastic as they were earlier in the game. As soon as Watson picked that off and as soon as he returned it for pick six, showing the speed down the sideline, juking out that lineman, but still just turned on the afterburners and just kind of booked it down the sideline, which was pretty impressive to me. But as soon as that occurred, it was all over. You could tell that just took the wind out of the cell for Penn State, the whole team, the fans, I'm sure. So Brandon Watson, M factor number one on the defense. I could give it to, just give it to the whole defense pretty much every week. Everyone does their job. Everyone sticks out to me. The person that sticks out just a little more is probably Winovich just because he's so vocal and just because you're really rooting for him this year, the, you know, the senior and he is really, ever since he labeled it as the revenge tour, they have really been playing to it, and you got to give him credit for that. And, you know, just messing with the psyche of these guys, of these kids, you know, if you want to call them that, that just shows so much. And I've just been really impressed with Winovich and his play this year and his enthusiasm out there and keeping his team up and ready to go. And I'm sure, of course, the captains are there as well, but you just see it from Winovich because he gets, he gets a lot of publicity, which is which is great to see because I enjoy I enjoy his post-game interviews and his pre-game interviews and anytime they talk to him, his tweets. Follow him on Twitter, folks. It's actually pretty hilarious. The M-Factor on offense I am giving to Higdon yet again. He is running just out of his mind. He is running with heart. He is running strong. And speaking of heart, I haven't seen someone run with this much heart since heart, actually. (laughs) If you think about it that way, he doesn't go down on the first hit. He fights that touchdown run. I mean, he had to to force his way into that end zone. I wasn't sure if he got in. And then after the replay, he clearly got in. But he had to bowl over some people on that when he's running with power. He's running with the speed. If there's one thing that I, you know, that I wish he had a little more of, which is hardly anything, but that's a little more breakaway speed. He breaks a lot of these 50-yard runs. I wish he would score the touchdown. Doesn't end up mattering a whole lot most of the time, but at the same time, you would love to see him just break a long touchdown run because he deserves it, first of all. Not just because I want Michigan to score, but he definitely deserves it. He deserves those touchdowns because he's the ones that breaking these long runs. And you got to give credit again to the offensive line. I will not go an episode again without mentioning that offensive line and how great they are improving, how good they are now. They're, you know, you can stop saying they're improving and just saying they're a good offensive line. They have learned every week. They have gotten better and better. They communicate better with each other. They're opening larger and larger holes for any running back that's in there. And they are also kind of playing in, a lot of people don't realize this, but they're also kind of playing into the offense that this this triple option type deal really is. You know, if you notice, they release the defensive end every once in a while, and that just plays right into Shea Patterson's wheelhouse in terms of him pulling the ball on that touchdown run from Shea Patterson. He faked that defensive end right out. 
he didn't fake out the cameraman, but he did fake out that defensive end, and that kind of is a set play. The offensive line is really known to release that defensive end or you know stay on your block when you want to let Higdon get the ball. Everyone is in unison, and that is a tribute to the coaching out there and Shea Patterson leading that offense. I said it before, I'll say it again. Shea Patterson is my, you know, he's easily my favorite player out there. Karan Higdon also doing just a fantastic job and give it to the offensive line and these wide receivers on blocking downfield. Those are the big things that I see out of this offense from week to week. I wish I could have some negative things to say, but I really can't. They're protecting the ball. They're doing more than enough, actually, to win these games against good quality opponents. Don't forget that. I'm going to mention it over and over again. Don't forget that these are quality opponents. And I just wish that I could have some negatives to critique. I do not have any negatives to critique except for maybe the kicking in Quinn Nordin really needs to figure out why his kicks are not looking as strong as they did earlier in the season. I hope it's not a confidence issue. He's a good kicker, if not a great kicker in college football. So hang in there, buddy. Figure it out. I'm sure you will. Maybe this weekend against Rutgers will be a solid, solid time to you know, figure it out, get him in there, have him kick a few, three, four field goals. I don't know if we're going to need him, but nonetheless, I, I want to see him out there and getting just his confidence back, get that rotation on the ball back. And that, like I said, is really the only thing that I can see that is negative with this football team at this time. They're playing as good as anyone in the country. I wish kind of we could play Alabama right now just to see. I really want to see if we compare to supposedly the best college football team of all time. I want to see how we compare. I think we match up very well. Don't get me wrong. Tua is, is definitely probably the best quarterback in the country. That offense is easily the, one of the best offensive of all time, and they definitely proved it against LSU. I think we kind of alluded to it last week on stating that we knew Alabama was pretty much going to roll over LSU, and boy, did they. They shut out LSU. That kind of opened up the playoff picture for Michigan, but we got to, we'll go over that here in a little bit. So overall, it's tough to put a you know, even a B minus ranking on any part of the Michigan game right now. And that leads me kind of into the question of the week. I really want to know what the negative of Michigan is right now of Michigan football. I don't care if it's defense, offense, you can name a certain player that you do not think is playing up to par. It's going to be tough. And if you don't think that they're uh, and if if you can't name anyone, I just want to hear who you what you think the worst aspect or the least improved aspect of Michigan football's game is right now because it's tough for me. I can honestly give mostly B pluses, A minuses, even a few A's out there for every aspect of the game for Michigan. And I really want to hear your guys's thoughts on this because it's hard, it's tough for me. Like I said, it is very tough to label anything below a B on this team. It, the only thing I can think of is special teams, not even special teams, just field goal kicking, really, because Will Hart's doing an amazing job punting this year. DPJ, obviously, is having a fantastic year punt returning, and Ambry Thomas, a great year kick returning. And <laughs> poor Ambry Thomas doesn't get a lot of action because we don't allow a lot of points, so the opposing team doesn't have to kick off much. So that's always a positive. So anyway, I'd really like to hear your guys' thoughts. Post them on Facebook, text me, talk to me as usual. You know I'll get back to you next week on the show. We'll go over all of your guys' responses and stuff like that. Again, that's part of the fun of this program is getting interactive and stuff like that with the fans and the listeners. And, you know, I just want you guys to feel part of the show because you really are. So if you can't name me anything that is a B or a B minus or lower, 
let's start talking about these college playoffs because if that's the case, we are easily one of the best teams in the country. The second college playoff football rankings came out this week, and they got it absolutely right yet again. Alabama, of course, number one, Clemson at number two, Notre Dame at number three, and our boys from Ann Arbor at number four. No real surprise right there, but what I really want to get into is let's let's take a look at what each of these teams have remaining. I know I went over it last week, but what I would really like to get into right now is Georgia sitting right behind Michigan, and there is already the chatterbugs out there stating that Georgia should have leapfrogged Michigan this last week because of their win over Kentucky, which was a top 10 team. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not think Kentucky is a top 10 team. They have not played anyone. The bulk of their schedule is at the end of the season here, so I predict they won't even be ranked at the end of the season. Kentucky did not look all that impressive. And to be honest with you, Georgia didn't look all that impressive either against the Wildcats simply because I mean, they were in the the Wildcats were in the game the whole time. They only ended up winning 30 or uh, Georgia only ended up winning 34 to 17 that game. Fromm didn't have a great game. He only had 113 yards passing. Swift at 156 yards, so not a bad game for him. But overall, everyone is basically, there are a lot of skeptics out there, a lot of analysts out there saying that Georgia, if Georgia were to be Alabama in the SEC championship game, by the way, that game's already locked in. Alabama clinched their spot in it, and Georgia clinched their berth in the uh, the SEC championship game there this last weekend. So they will definitely play each other on December 1st. That game is at 4 p.m. already scheduled on CBS, but no one really cares about the SEC, right? But that game could have some implications simply because if Georgia does win that game against Alabama, what does the committee do at that point? What would you do? And it's a very good question because if you look at the actual AP polls, the coaches poll, and then the playoff actual points, they're very close. Georgia's very close to Michigan. And do I agree with it? Absolutely not. I do not know why the SEC, the SEC besides Alabama, I don't think is that strong of a conference. I know that everyone seems to rank all the other teams rather high. And of course, you could say, well, they just beat up on each other all year. So what? So does every other conference in the country. I don't understand why the SEC gets the special privilege or the special consideration just because it's the SEC conference. In my opinion, the ACC could be way better, but they don't give them the respect that they give the SEC. I don't know why the voters always, you know, always, I mean, Kentucky in the top 10. Are you kidding me? Kentucky? I mean, let's, if we want to take a look at Kentucky, just, yeah, let's take a look at their schedule and who they've actually played this year. Central Michigan, they only won by 15 at home. They played Florida at Florida. They did win there, but it was only by 11 points, 27 to 16. And that was against a 25th ranked Florida. Florida is also not that great this year. And again, they they seem to just give these SEC teams just so much love that I just don't understand why they deserve it. I'm going to go over a little stat for you guys here in a bit, but let's take a look at the rest of Kentucky's schedule here. Mississippi State, they beat them at home, and Mississippi State is ranked 14th. But do I think Mississippi State deserves to be 14th? Of course not. They beat them 28-7. to It was a very, it was a decent win for them. But again, that was at home. And then they lose to Texas A&M. That was their first loss in OT. And Texas A&M, of course, is hanging in limbo out there. They're not ranked or they weren't ranked at the time. And then they lose to Georgia 34 to 17. Georgia did not look that impressive, as I mentioned. Again, if you take out Alabama out of this equation, how many wins in the last, oh, geez, we'll say, I mean, we'll go 20, the last 20, we'll go since like 1999 or something like that. How many wins do you think, again, take out Alabama? I have no disrespect to Alabama. Alabama is actually a cruise. They've proved their worth. But 
If Alabama, you take out Alabama out of the SEC, and I know I'm going to have haters already stating, well, you can't take it as part of the conference, right? Those other teams have to play Alabama. That's not the point. My point is, why do they get special recognition before they even play Alabama? LSU was ranked number three before they even played Alabama, or pardon me, number four before they even played Alabama. Why? You got Why? Because they've had a good win against Georgia, who has lost to LSU, and now LSU has two losses. But back to the national champions, care to wager a guess? Four. Four other teams since 1999 from the SEC have won the national championship. The Big Ten has a couple. The ACC has a couple. The Big 12 has a couple. The Pac-12 has a couple. Why is it that the SEC is touted as being the best conference in college football? If your argument is simply because, well, because Alabama plays in the SEC. Absolutely. I I 100% agree with you. But that does not reflect on the other teams. Why are the other teams given so much credibility just because they play in the SEC. I don't understand. They're stating like strength of schedule. Everyone always states that, well, Georgia's strength of schedule is 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 far better than Michigan's. No, it is not. Not if you take into this equation that, who have they beaten? They play a very, very weak non-conference schedule. Let's take a look. Austin Pay, really? Austin Pay, Middle Tennessee? Middle Tennessee is a non-conference game for them? They play UMass in the middle of the season on November 17th. Are you kidding me? UMass. Their only wins against a ranked team are Florida, who, again, I mentioned is, I think is definitely is garbage this year. I don't know how they are even ranked up there. Kentucky, who obviously plays, like I said, they will be unranked by the end of the season. South Carolina, the second game of the season, that might be technically their best win. Their best win might be against South Carolina. They do play Auburn, who jumped back into the rankings this week at number 24, but guess what? They get them at home. So that could be a tough game. I actually think that will be a tough game because I think Georgia is very vulnerable. Look what LSU did to them, and then look what Alabama did to LSU. Now, don't get me wrong. Alabama is, of course, a far superior team to, obviously, LSU, and I think they do destroy Georgia, and then we have nothing to worry about, right, assuming we win out, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But assuming we went out and Georgia loses, of course, we're in single-handedly, but I don't think even if Georgia wins that game that they deserve, and again, assuming Michigan wins, uh, wins out, I don't think that Georgia deserves to leapfrog Michigan based on that win. In a, because I'm not a big believer in conspiracies, but you never know what that SEC conference. A lot of crooks down there, a lot of crooked coaching, a lot of violations have occurred down there in the past couple of years. So you never know. I know I know these guys don't throw games and stuff like that, but it always is in the back of your mind. Oh, does the SEC want two teams in the playoffs? Well, let's you know dial it down a bit, coach. You're already in. You know, you don't want your players to get injured, so don't start, you know, your stud QBs and don't start uh, some of your stud linemen and all that stuff. You you never know when that stuff actually happens. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it will. Uh, That's just kind of a hypothetical, but I do know that sometimes that stuff does happen and it does linger in the back of your mind. But again, I don't understand why people just give or pardon me. I don't understand why the voters just give the SEC the benefit of the doubt simply because of the they're ranked. You know, these teams are ranked. Okay, so what? Their non-conference schedules are always garbage. They are simply garbage. Look who I just named off for Georgia. Austin Pay, Middle Tennessee, and UMass. Are you kidding me? That's their non-conference schedule. Take a look at Kentucky's like non-conference schedule. Central Michigan, who is just god-awful this year, sadly. I do like the chips, but nonetheless. Murray State. Murray State, guys. And then they play Middle Tennessee uh, uh, the November 17th. What's up with these games at the end of the year, these non-conference, just crappy games at the end of the year? And you're telling me the SEC deserves these these rankings and stuff like that? Absolutely ridiculous. And even Alabama's non-conference schedule, I alluded to this last week, even their 
non-conference schedule just really, really is lackluster. It's never very exciting. I know last year they played Florida State, but Florida State, <laughs> everyone knows Florida State ended up being garbage last year, right? So just you look at these, I mean, they, I mean, Alabama plays the Citadel on the 17th. The Citadel. I didn't even know they had a football team. Are you kidding me? And nothing against Alabama. Like I said, Alabama is easily the best team in the country right now. But if I go stick to my guns here and, and ask, I got to ask why. Why do you think they are the best? Simply because they're rolling over these SEC teams who I think are severely overrated anyway? We will see. Of course, only time will tell once they run into an actual legit non-conference team, which they're certainly going to do in the playoffs, uh, assuming that they don't have to play like Georgia again in the first round if Georgia ends up leapfrogging Michigan and everything plays out the way we think that it's going to. But again, I don't think Georgia beats Alabama, so I think Alabama cruises to a, a victory in that SEC title game, and Alabama remains number one. If Michigan wins out, of course, they should stay number four. If not, uh, I know I'll take a lot of uh, grief for this, but if not, leapfrog Notre Dame simply because of how we're playing. That's I've, I've said that all year long, simply of how we're playing. Oh, Notre Dame won one quarter of that game, and it just happened to be enough to win the entire game. You play us now, I think it's a totally different story. I think Michigan actually rolls pretty easily against Notre Dame right now, but got to give it to Notre Dame. I think their strength of schedule has been just as good as anyone in that top four, in that top five, especially better than Georgia's. Again, I know I'll get a lot of grief for this because, oh, well, look at all the ranked teams that they played. All those ranked teams were in the SEC, and all those ranked teams play each other. Therefore, I really can't judge anything on that. I mean, Florida, I, I can't believe Florida's ranked still six and three. That's unbelievable. I just I don't understand the the rankings and stuff like that. A and M was ranked as long as last week, and they're five and four now. So you're telling me A and M that was one of Alabama's actually biggest wins this year, besides LSU was Texas A and M. That was their only other win against a ranked team, and they won forty five to twenty three. They did show me something against LSU that their defense is unbelievable and their offense is is very solid. They played Mississippi State this weekend. And then they got Auburn, who just cracked the top twenty five, as I mentioned, and then they will play Georgia. Boy, I, hope, I just hope Alabama just crushes Georgia, just rolls through so we don't even have to worry about this. But stranger things have happened. Let's move on to what we can control, and that is Rutgers, Indiana, Ohio State. Who do you think we play in the Big Ten Championship? Right now, my bet is still Northwestern. They played Notre Dame very, very tough this last weekend. Actually, a really good game. They kind of had it you know, really close up until the end of the, the fourth quarter, end of the game there. So props to Notre Dame for, for pulling that out. It was at Northwestern, and the weather was kind of crappy up there. But nonetheless, Northwestern put up a great fight. So they, I, I really think they are a lot better than we gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. Probably because uh, you know they had a few like just kind of uh, kind of brain farts there at the earlier part of the season. But let's not forget who they've knocked off, and they almost knocked off us, right? Our only conference loss is has even been close was Northwestern. So you can't uh, you can't count them out. I would like to see them again on a neutral field, and again with the way we're playing right now, I hope we can just destroy Ohio State, which I will get to here right after this segment. I think we just manhandle Ohio State and then move on, and we we solidly beat Northwestern. I think Northwestern could you know keep up with Ohio State easily, but we get them on a neutral site down there in Indianapolis, and I think we roll pretty easily. 
and that should solidify our spot at number four at the very minimum in the playoff standings. But we got to take care of business against Rutgers. Indiana is always a threat because they always seem to play us well. I don't know what it is with Indiana. They always they always seem to play us well, but just can't close out most of the time. And not that I'm disappointed in that. I got a buddy who's a big Hoosier fan, but nonetheless, you got to watch out for the Hoosiers there. So then we move on to Ohio State. Now, this kind of leads into my rival annoyance. So I'm going to do both segments at the same time. But already, and I didn't think Ohio State fans were like this, but already they are stating, well, this is your, it's just going to be a blowout. Michigan's going to destroy us. Michigan's going to destroy us. It's not even going to be a game. I don't even care who wins or loses. That is such Bush League. That is Spartan talk right there. That is why they go into my rival annoyance finally this year is because they sound like the Spartans. They sound like Spartan fans of once the chips are down, why do you give up on your team? Everyone that is listening to the M Factor right now, we expected to win that game even when Richrod and Brady Hoke was there. Even when we had the worst years in Michigan football history, we still went in and we were still, like I said, talking smack and we still expected at least a good game, not for Ohio State, just to blow us out. That is absolutely ridiculous. You need to stick by your team, guys. That is unbelievable. I thought for sure, at least Ohio State, after their domination of us over the last what, 15, 16, 17 years, the the fact that they've dominated us, you know, you'd think, even with their squad right now, I know they're not playing as well as they were at the beginning of the season. I think a lot of that has to do with Urban Meyer and his, you know, kind of lack of emotion on the sideline nowadays, but you still can't sit there and just explain the loss before it even happens. I can't stand that when it was like, well, you know, if we lose, it's expected. It's expected if we lose. That is absolute BS, and I can't stand when other fans, especially of our rivals, say that because you know what? They are the first people, if they do win that game, to come up to us and just just lay it on us, right? You all know what I'm talking about out there. You all understand exactly what type of fans that I'm talking about here. The next day, you will see it all over social media. Whenever you see a fan of that team, they will easily come up to you and be like, nice game last night. Well, you know what? Don't talk to me unless you stick by your squad before the game and after the game. Before the game, even if your team is down, even if your team is not playing as well as you think them, if you think the other team, if you think Michigan is by far the better team, it doesn't matter. It's a rivalry game still, folks. It's still a rivalry, and you know that game is going to be close regardless of how the teams have been playing. And I, again, that's my rival annoyance for the week. So I'm kind of rounding out the playoff picture. I know I kind of fit that rival annoyance into this segment, but Rounding out the playoff picture, I do feel Michigan wins out, and this game for Ohio State, Michigan State this weekend does kind of play a little bit of importance. Not to me, because I think regardless of the outcome on Saturday for Michigan State and Ohio State, I still think if Michigan beats a a two-loss Ohio State team that they're still good enough to get into the playoffs. And they've done everything that you've asked of them except for that one quarter against Notre Dame to start the season. So I truly believe we keep winning and we are in. So that leads into the next question of what do you actually want to have happen this weekend between Ohio State and Michigan State? And I really want Ohio State to win. Again, I, I still can't stand Michigan State. I know more Michigan State fans. I know more Michigan State, you know, alum. And really, just Michigan State fans are just far more annoying to me than Ohio State fans. And to be honest with you, Ohio State has just dominated us the last couple decades. And it's really the game. We really need to win that game against Ohio State, regardless of their record. But if this Georgia thing plays out, we really need Ohio State to be at least in the top 10 when we beat them. Right, guys? When we beat Ohio State, we really need them to be in the top 10. And they will be, obviously, if they, they continue to win out as well, because Michigan State is ranked again. They beat a ranked Michigan State team that bumps them maybe, you know, maybe into the top 10 a little more. They're 10th right now, but that'll probably jump them into the maybe 9th or 8th or something like that. But you get a top 10 win at Ohio State, that's really going to help you and get you a little more points 
and that'll definitely help Michigan. So I always want what's best for Michigan. It's actually one of my buddies' uh, motto is whatever's good for Michigan. I don't care if it's Michigan State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. I don't care who has to win, who has to lose. If it's good for Michigan, that's what I want. And Ohio State beating Michigan State is good for Michigan in terms of the playoffs. Don't forget that. I'm, I'm looking at the big picture, folks. I want national championship. We have a team to do it this year. We have a coaching staff to do it this year. So I'm looking at playoffs and a national championship. I am not looking at a just a Big Ten title, which would be amazing as well. That would be something that check off Harbaugh's list, right? But if State beats Ohio State, then pretty much control our own destiny easily, even if we lose against Ohio State, right? Which I still don't want to have happen. And like I said, I am aiming for a national championship, not just a Big Ten title. That is why I want Ohio State to beat Michigan State, move up in the rankings a little bit so when we do beat them down there in Columbus at the crappy stadium they call the Toilet Bowl, basically, that we destroy them and leave no doubt that we should easily be in the top four and in the playoffs. So that is my take on the playoffs and what we should be thinking for this weekend's game between the Spartans and Buckeyes. Let's move on to our own game and let's get the predictions in. That is Michigan at Rutgers this weekend. That is another 330 game which is you know I, I i like the 330 games that's solid the 345 game last weekend was pretty good too those uh night games are fun to watch but at the same time woo, they're hard to stay awake all day for and party it up all day and then still have all your energy and stuff for the night but we do especially those constant game everyone was pretty energetic and stuff like that but the rutgers game 330 that will be on the big 10 network so hopefully everyone tunes in and my prediction for this game is it's tough to say they're i think they're favored by 40 already and i'm gonna go with a 52 to nothing zero points for rutgers now the goal of this game should be don't get injured no one get injured. You still got to play with intensity because once you loosen up a little bit, that's when injuries occur, right? What I would like to see is for us to roll up about 42 to nothing in the first half and then get our second string in there. I know we lost McCaffrey last week at quarterback. Peters can get in there. Maybe Milton can get in there and not lose his red shirt, but it would be nice to see, you know, the second string get in there, get some reps and stuff like that the second half. And to be honest with you, I think our second string is better than Rutgers first string. So we score a few more touchdowns in the second half, but I, I do think we just dominate Rutgers. But again, key don't get injured, play hard. You still got to win the ball game, no letdowns, and just put it out of reach really early in the game so you can rest the rest of the game and not have a chance for injuries. So yeah, Michigan, we'll say 52 to nothing around there. I've been relatively close with my estimates this year, so I don't think this one will be any different. So again, that's 330 Big Ten Network. I'm assuming most of you are not going to the game. It is out east there in New Jersey, and I assume all of you will be watching it on the old tube this weekend. Uh, there'll probably be another watch party at the M Factor Studios. It's been a great time. We've been undefeated here at the M Factor Studios. So again, if you're around town, stop on by, have a few uh, adult beverages with us, watch the game. It's a good time. If not, enjoy it with your friends, family, or if you're just uh, in your lonesome, no big deal. Cheer on the maize and blue. Every fan helps, right? Every fan. And speaking of fans, again, I've got to mention, if you have not yet been to iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud, get on over there, subscribe, leave us a like, leave us five-star rating. It really helps us in the rankings and stuff like that. So again, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate all you guys and your interactions with the questions and stuff like that. It's been really fun for me all season. And that a lot of that is a tribute to you guys as the fans of the M Factor and Michigan obviously playing very good football. So not a lot to, you know, not a lot to critique when it comes to these games, but it's been a great time uh, actually answering these questions and stuff like that from you guys. So really appreciate it. So that'll be all for me this week, ladies and gentlemen. Again, Rutgers 330 this weekend, Big Ten Network. 
Go Blue. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Mm-hmm.